of Nervin Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Wyatt Jr. I want to first of all thank the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. Maria, I hope you get well soon. Uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They own the African Lounge and Mount Moon Bar on Concourse A out of SeaTac Airport. My first guest is uh, Elton Mason. Uh, the Masons have been in construction for a long time. His late dad, J.D. Mason, was the president of the Independent Black Truckers and Excavators Association when black truckers and excavators were working. Uh, we know late, as of late, uh, uh, you, it's hard to find a black trucker on all the jobs that's going on, the Infrastructure and Jobs Act um, uh, money. Uh, the President Biden said 15% will go to minorities and uh, in Washington State, uh, it's like a pipe dream. I don't see it coming anywhere close to 15%. Uh, so anyway, we're going to talk to the source, the person who's been bidding, who's been on the jobs, Elton Mason, the owner of Washington State Sand and Gravel. So Elton, wel welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. We know I've seen you on uh, uh, on with uh, Susanna Frame doing some stuff a few years ago. And don't seem like after that, nothing has really changed. So why don't you, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background about your company, and then we're going to talk into some of the obstacles that you and other Blacks are encountering trying to get work on these many, many projects that we see all across uh, the Pacific Northwest, especially uh, in the greater Seattle area. So welcome, Elton, and go right ahead and, and share that information with us. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I've uh, been in the industry, um, I want to say, for 40-plus uh, years. Um, uh, uh, my, uh, background in civil work, excavation, utility work, environmental services, demolition. Um, I wear many hats in the industry and, um, have spent, uh, pretty much all of my life, uh, doing public and private, uh, projects, uh, for, for many folks in the state of Washington. At one time, you had what about ten trucks or so? Was that was it that many? No, I had uh, thirty trucks, uh, along with uh, sixty trailers. Um, I've I've been uh, <clears throat> I'm at uh, one time I was the largest African American trucking company in the state, and um, as of uh, 2012, 13, 14, when I exposed a broken system um, to the uh, Federal Highway Administration, meaning uh, <clears throat> on a lot of these projects, there's um, uh, set aside goals, mandatory goals to be met on uh, on these state uh, projects. Uh, some of these state projects are federally funded, and uh, which calls for a goal could be three, four, five, six percent, and um, 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 when uh, companies like mine were bidding these projects, we weren't getting the work. Uh, the work was going to um, contractors that didn't qualify for the minority program. Uh, uh, I guess you're able to get uh, the gist of the story if you... Uh, um, on King Five, uh, you can just Google King Five Investigators. Um, 
and uh, the main uh, firm that has done a lot of damage in our community was this uh, Grady Excavating um, out of Muckleteal, Washington. Um, I guess you can just Google that and you will see the story on how a firm that didn't qualify for the program uh, magically ended up in the program collecting hundreds of millions of our taxpayers' dollars fraudulently. Uh, so I, I exposed them along with uh, other contractors that weren't abiding to the uh, the rules and regulations of the of the program. And um, ever since then, I've just been retaliated against uh, and just dealing with uh, uh, inclusion on uh, on uh, many uh, state and highway projects. Now, it's my understanding that uh, the uh, government agencies receiving in the Southern Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program that includes white women's a DVE program where federal dollars are like with Sound Trans and also with Washington State Department of Transportation. Now, there's supposed to be some outreach for inclusion. And I understand recently uh, you and a number of other uh, black truckers, as well as, I guess, some other minorities and women uh, went to Graham Trucking for an, uh, it was an outreach event. Can you share with our listeners exactly what happened there? Uh, sure. It's, it's, uh, there's a project. When, when did that happen? Why, what date was that? Um, um, it, it was like a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think a week and a half ago, I believe there was uh Graham contracting, I believe not trucking, but, um, Graham has a consultant, uh, working with a consulting firm that has did outreach, um, throughout, I guess the state reaching out to, I guess any, it seemed like any trucking firm uh, that was uh, that's in the program, that's um, minority certified and or uh, you could be small business as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did this big outreach deal and and uh, we went to their office and and they uh, uh I guess this project was about a, a design build project in Kirkland off of 85th and 405 that's well over probably 50, 60 million dollars worth of work. Um, Is that's that the Washington State Department of Transportation? Yeah, it's a WASDOT project. Um, I believe that um, has uh, <laughs> supposed good faith efforts, uh, meaning uh, that uh, the prime contractor um, is to make some, some sort of effort and <laughs> reaching out to, uh, for inclusion throughout the community, just trucking firms uh, uh, for inclusion on this project. And um, yeah, the, the, the room was full um, of um, quite a few. Um, I was actually kind of surprised to see as many um, African-American trucking firms that were, uh, that was in this meeting. And um they started going throughout the scope of work uh, that's needed that they're they're going to be looking for on this project, and uh, so we listened for a while and and after <clears throat> after they were done, I had asked, you know, how come out of all of the scopes that were available on this project, how come they didn't have um, dump trucking? Um, because most of the guys in the room have dump trucks and whatnot, uh, and the uh, assistant project manager of Graham uh, had told us that that work was already subbed out. And 
the job had literally just started. And so, so I asked him, I said, you know, so you're going to do outreach for some trucking scopes that guys in here really don't do. And you already dubbed out the dump trucking. Um, who'd you give the dump trucking to? And the project manager told everybody that that was that information's confidential. And I'm like, confidential? This is a public works contract. It's all public records. And you're telling me that this information's confidential? Yes, it's confidential. And by the way, we put that job out to bid. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't put the job out to bid. And I says, and another thing that you did is that you reached out to Grady Excavating and you gave them $11 million contract. Can you concur? He didn't say anything. He was kind of baffled that I knew this information because this Grady trucking company out of Muckleteo has been collecting hundreds of millions of our tax dollars um, through the minority program fraudulently. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really upset that, that uh, you know, from the, you know, the, the federal Howie's administration, USDOT, you know, I mean, this company under the penalty of perjury signed a, a federal instrument that stated that these, uh, these, you know, these, these, these allegations, you know, information is true that, you know, we're this legit minority business and which wasn't true. And they were profiled in King five news. And, and now this company has graduated from the minority program and still is collecting hundreds of millions of our tax dollars on almost, I would say, a strong 80, 85% of WASDOC projects. So I got well, it. They're certified as a small, but they certified as a small business when the, they uh, got the divorce. And I guess Kim Grady, who was uh, the, the, the woman in the DBE program, uh, turned uh, the uh, company over to Joe Grady, who is now a small business. Is that what's happening? Small businesses have limitations, don't they? You, you graduate out, out after a few hundred million dollars, don't you? Well, yes, I, I guess for three or four consecutive years, if you're able to do over, you know, 100 million, I guess, 50, 60, 70 million. I, I, it's, it's a large number. All I know is that they shouldn't have been. If you graduate from the minority, pro, from the minority program, how in the world can you qualify for the small business program? Um, you're already making hundreds of millions of dollars. So by the time I researched that, the <laughs> the table was moved, which means it was increased to where you could make even millions more to be in the program under a small business. And, you know, I'm just completely beside myself in how all of this has turned out to where you can you can perjure yourself. You can commit fraud against the United States of America and signing, you know, a form like this and not be incarcerated. Technically, the hundreds of millions of dollars are supposed to be paid back to the taxpayers. The taxpayers are the ones that's losing out on this, whether you're in this program or not, you know, but they continue to reap the benefits, you know, of these programs. And Eric, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I'm just beside myself and how all of this is, is, is turned out. Well, you so, know, I haven't seen very many black truckers on the road as of late. 
How many black truckers were at that meeting at Graham uh, Construction? I want to say there was at least, uh, you know, 10, 12 uh, firms, I believe. Um, there were very few companies that actually were fairly new, but, but um, you know, I, I was insulted when I went to this meeting. It, it was just to me, it seemed plain and simple that Graham just checked the box on their piece of paper and they're just moving on. Um, it turns out, I guess they only needed two trucks <laughs> sporadically for a year or two, maybe. And here, everybody else in this room uh, is missed out on an opportunity to have uh, work in their backyard. Um, so I I simply walked out of the meeting. I, I was just beside myself that that uh, this behavior from prime contractors is continuous and ongoing in their industry um you so, know let, let me ask you uh doesn't washington state department of transportation have personnel uh and consultants to oversee what's going on to ensure there's a, a level playing field yeah yeah they do there's there's consultants that um that have that are signed or bid or given projects um, to this magnitude, and they are to um, ensure that um, the um, you know that there's some equity and inclusion on these projects, and you know I. So the Washington DOT people who were at the meeting, they were unaware that uh, that another company had already received the contracts that they were doing outreach for with the black folks. You know, I'm I don't know if they were aware or not, but everybody you you just felt the tension in the room that you know, okay, another grady job. Um you, you know, and you know, these consultants are looking at us like uh, you know, we did our job. You know, I don't know. These these companies are just they're cashing their checks, they're not earning them as far as I'm concerned. You know, they've got a job to do and it's to reach out, I mean, and and make more than an effort. I mean, it's up to us. We are. Our companies are ready, willing and available to work statewide. We're available, you know, but the opportunity on every single job before we come to the table in an outreach meeting like this and be insulted, the work is already given away yeah. to this company, this Joe Grady that went to college with all of these project managers from Kiwit to Graham to, to PCL to, you know, and next thing you know, that's what happened on the tunnel project when I locked out on thousands, thousands of dollars um, capacity with my business and other firms as well. It, that's what happened is that these guys were given the project um, because of their intertwinement with um with the sister company, you know, which is a prime contractor. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's really disturbing that, I mean, this, this is going on in our industry and here in the state of Washington, you know, our taxes continue to go up, you know, our, you know, fuel prices and everything, um, you know, our companies, our trucks, you know, continue to stay parked, you know, while companies that cheat the system, continue to buy brand new $300,000 rigs, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 more, you know, have a hundred of them and just, and literally, I mean, it's a, it's a monopoly. 
Okay. Well, Elton, it's, it's, it's not being stopped. Elton, one of, that's one of the reasons why two years ago when Bob Armstead, the president of the Washington State Chapter of National Association of Minority Contractors, on behalf of the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, filed a formal federal complaint with uh, the uh, U.S. Justice Department with uh, Merrick Garland, uh, who does not seem to be a friend of Black folks. I just have to say that. We've been waiting two years, and the, problem, the, the situation is getting worse. So uh, we'll be supporting you, my brother, and we look forward to seeing you, too, to share some of your uh, experience and uh, some about the industry at uh, the uh, Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition's uh, Opportunity Fair, which will be on the 15th at Garfield. And my next guest is going to talk about that, Hayward Evans. So thanks very much. We'll stay in touch, uh, Elton. Thank you for keeping uh, staying on the battlefield. And hopefully with some members of the Congressional Black Caucus and Congressman Adam Smith and Senator Patty Murray, who are supporting us in for equity and also have contacted the Justice Department to get Merrick Garland and Pete Buttigieg off their butts to do something about uh, bringing about fairness and equality to African descendants of the United States enslaved, Black folks who've been here 400 years and died in every war and paid the consequences, everybody's favored but by us unless... Uh, the only place they didn't uh, didn't ban affirmative action was at the military academies. We can always go off and die, but we don't even have the right to vote. So thanks, Elton, and we'll keep supporting you, my brother. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, my next guest is uh, Hayward Evans, uh, who was not only the co-convener of the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Continuation and Commemoration Committee, but also as the co-chair of uh, the Opportunity Fair that is sponsored by Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. And that this year will be on January 15th on Dr. King's birthday at Garfield High School. Hopefully the principal, Dr. Hart, has already given us the okay. But Hayward Evans is one of the co-founders of uh, the Opportunity Fair as well. And Hayward, you just heard the interview there. So, you know, we got to get real busy uh, when we bring people in and they come in professing that they're going to be providing opportunities and being showing some equality about their selection process. Uh, we got to kind of hold their feet to the fire. So as far as I'm concerned, maybe some people shouldn't be invited to the opportunity fair. I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but it's just a, a thought that went across my mind. If you're just going to sit up and fake it and not going to really be sincere about what you, you're not practicing what you preach. We'll just put it that way. So Hayward Evans, uh, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little background about the Opportunity Fair, and we can also talk about other events that's coming up. Thank you for having me here, Eddie. You know, we started the Opportunity Fair about five years ago uh, after one of the marches, and you made the comment, look at all this energy just displacing, and we need to give these people something when they leave. And we talked about a job fair, and we said, no, we got to go beyond the job fair opportunities because you can have an opportunity as a contractor like Mason, and I feel bad for him because, you know, we knew his father. I knew his father, J.D., big time. And this, and this is terrible when you when you they're talking about how we're going to be uh, support black businesses. We believe in equity and inclusion and all those kind of positive little notes. And how can this man go from eighty trucks and over a hundred rigs down to a few now? That's absolutely wrong. And you're talking about hiring black folk. Now I'm gonna get off that box. January fifteenth, everybody out there listening, if you have any friends, family, anyone that you know who's serious about uh, getting a job, eighteen years and over. We're going to have employers there, literally, who are going to be hiring people on the spot. For those folks who need help with their resume, we have a resume room to help folks write their resume or improve their resume. But some of the companies, 
uh, that we have lined up to come, Amazon, Total Employment Management, uh, Fred Meyer, HopeLink, King County uh, uh, Human Resources, City of Seattle Human Resources, FedEx. This is just naming a few. Department of uh, Department of Veterans Affairs. We have we have so, we have forty eight companies on our list, and uh, from what I'm hearing now, we even have more than that who'd like to participate. We're going to have that that uh, the cafeteria at Garfield High School packed, and I'm sharing with people you should be there by nine o'clock. We have a meeting on Monday. Uh, and at that meeting on Monday, we'll be able to come out at the next uh, uh, next interview with with more details for folks. Uh, but it, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic affair. And again, to the listenership, if you know anybody who's serious about being a job, uh, getting a job, eighteen and over, we have we have companies prepared to hire them on the spot. And you know, hey, what I want to also give a shout out to John Birch and. Uh... Uh, Christina Van Middlesworth, who uh, took uh, took over the Opportunity Fair and, you know, circumstances. John Splay got filled with the city. He's a training advisor for the city of Seattle. Christina has a new gig with Boeing, and we know that uh, their place has been filled, filled with new stuff. But uh, we'll have uh, John Virgil will be on the line on Monday at 11 o'clock on our Zoom call. And uh, so I want to hear anyone out in the listening audience who uh, has as an employer or has ideas about employing folks, we'd like to also have you be involved in the planning of this event. Uh, we don't know at all. We have a good idea of what needs to happen. And as you indicated, uh, I I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was like 78 people that got jobs or either got interviews. And then a lot of people got interviews after the fact and were contacted. Uh, this year, I think we need to have a follow-up to find out exactly how many employers actually provided interviews after the date as well as on the 15th. And this year, the the, the uh, holiday is on Dr. King's birthday on January 15th. So it's not later in the month. So a lot of work will be done. And uh, I know that uh, the chair, uh, Shade Moore, is in Washington, D.C. right now. I had a quick conversation with her yesterday. We'll have her on uh, in a couple of weeks to go in this. And then we'll also be talking to various members of the organizing coalition, we got Leanne Bannerman, who's doing the uh, the volunteers, which is really a key to the whole event, because if people don't know where they're going, they're in trouble. And then also we have to cement down Garfield with Doctor Ter- uh, Doctor Hart, who is the principal over there. So, uh, uh, Heywood, do you have any other ideas about uh, 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 folks' involvement? Yeah, well, just on that note, I'm glad you said that because we have the insurance and everything's already lined up. But for the people that are involved, I like what you said. We can do a follow-up. For those folks who want to get in the unions, we're going to have the electrical union there, the carpenters union there, the plumbers union there. All these unions, the mason unions are going to be there. And we'd like to follow you up. If you're out there, a young person, you want a job in one of those unions or with one of these companies, make sure we know by the end of the event. And we want to follow up with you. We're going to make sure that those doors are cracked or kicked open so that you get a good livable wage job. And we will also have the support of our good friend, Claude Burpick, who also is on the King County Labor Council. He's gonna be helping as well. And we will have also have uh, uh, some other folks coming in, like uh, some of the folks from the Masons, yes. uh, Union Lodge 43s that come in. We need to have brothers coming in, offering uh, advice to the younger brothers and sisters or whomever that's there the seeking employment to share some of their experience and their wisdom uh, which is always good because we think that by having a mentorship program works real well 
pretty much like we have the MLK Gandhi situation set up where we'll have the advisory board members recommending uh, participants in the program. And we're gonna go into more detail on that. Uh, so we'll be having someone on every week for uh, the next several weeks, all the way up until January, I think the 11th is the last, uh, let's see, the 11th, 12th, 13th, yeah, the 11th will be the last program of January, but we'll have people on uh, frequently to make sure that the information gets out there. And uh, I'm trying to pay, I think it's uh, the MLC, uh, uh, the, 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 well, anyway, I'll get the website down for next week. I, uh, we want to make sure that people are able to go to that. So, hey, well, thank you very much. I know you got a busy day and you got to get ready to good run. So Amen. I want to thank you for all the work you do. And we will have you on to give updates uh, frequently along with other members of the uh, MLK Organizing Coalition. So thank you very much today. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you. And if I can just thank Christine of Van Middlesworth and John Burgey. And John Burgey's probably going to have a class for employers there so they know what they're doing to attract people in. So we're hoping John will have a class that day. Yeah, he'll also be on. Uh, uh, he'll be on uh, uh, the call on 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 Monday as well. Uh, I know that uh, a dear friend of his passed away, a union guy, and uh, a matter of fact, his service is tomorrow, and that's uh, Mr. Elwood Evans, oh. uh, who was uh, one of the leaders in in the labor uh, for the uh, city of Seattle. So Haywood, thanks very much, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. So let's take this break, uh, Eric, and come back, hopefully, with Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift, and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest with Eric spinning some Stevie Wonder in the background. Uh, we're waiting on a call from Congresswoman Barbara Lee, but until we get that, I want to mention that uh, 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 on uh, Sunday the 12th at... Uh, 10.45 and 3 p.m. at uh, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church is the 74th annual Founders Day. And uh, you will be treated to hearing uh, Reverend Dr. Eric Lewis Williams. And then once, once again, mentioned that on the front page of the facts, that's there along with the New Beginning Scholarship Banquet that will be held on Saturday. We'll hear from Reverend Braxton soon. And then some good news coming out the city of Seattle on the front page of the medium. 
Uh, Mayor Bruce Harrell has a new executive order to expand contracting equity in the city of Seattle. And after hearing from Elton Mason, uh, we certainly do need some equity and some participation uh, in uh, those contracts. And also, once again, I want to thank the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, uh, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC, uh, the two uh, uh, veterans on the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A, and we should be hearing from uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, as I indicated uh, a little while ago. And we also will have uh, uh, Roberto Jordan, president of the uh, Seattle's Royal Esquire Club. There's gonna be uh, a black tie event or semi-formal formal event uh, to honor the former mayor, Norman B. Rice. And that will be uh, on uh, Saturday, the 18th at 6 p.m. And now we do have Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Uh, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, you're muted right now, but we're waiting to hear from you. So is there any way that- Okay. So hi, there she is, my hey. friend, Congresswoman <laughs> Barbara Lee. How uh, you doing? I'm doing? I'm doing great. I could be doing better, but I'm doing great. We have nothing but a battle up here and uh, trying to get some equity for our, our contractors and our businesses. And <laughs> oh, you still at it. I thank goodness for you. Have to. Uh, yeah, we filed, yeah, we yeah. filed a formal complaint with uh, Merrick Garland two two years ago this month and uh, mm. not a peep. So I'm beginning to wonder if he's partners with uh, Ed Bloom and Stephen Miller, the way he's treating mm. us. But anyway, I won't get step on nobody's toes anymore. But Congressman Barbara Lee, uh, tell us what some, I know you don't have much time, but I'd like to know, and I have our listeners here, about some of your priorities, some of the things you're working on. And then also, uh, uh, you could be Senator Lee. Ah, thank you. Really happy uh, to be with you. Uh, and thank you uh, for your leadership on so many fronts. We couldn't do without you, you know, experience matters. And I'm so glad that you're uh, still, you know, out there fighting, but also showing our young ones why it's important to fight um, because so much is at stake. And that's what I'm working on. What's at stake, but also how do we move forward? A couple of things just want to mention. Uh, of course, we're facing a shutdown. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to not have a shutdown by passing what we call a continuing resolution. And what this is all about is that Donald Trump wants the Congress to shut down so that he can blame uh, President Biden and House Democrats for doing that. Having said that, uh, we cannot allow a shutdown because, you know, people who live paycheck to paycheck, won't have their money to live with, to live by. Uh, they won't have ch money for childcare, services. A lot of services will be shut down, federal services. So it, it's going to hit um, us in ways, especially in the Black community, in ways that uh, will disproportionately impact us. So a government shutdown is not acceptable. Uh, congressional CR, uh, continuing resolution, what that does is just continue spending at 2023 levels, which uh, in many ways is uh, for me okay because they, their budget cuts are totally unacceptable and um, will not work. Because, for instance, the subcommittee that I'm the ranking member of, State and Foreign Operations of the Appropriations Committee, which is the first time an African American uh, has ever chaired that 
committee, and that provides all the development, the humanitarian assistance that you're hearing about now for, for Gaza, all of our uh, diplomacy, embassy security, our diplomats, all of that comes under my uh, committee. And when we were in the majority, I was able to increase the budget for diplomacy and development because, as you know, um, this military budget is out of control. But now the Republicans are trying to cut that budget to 2009 levels. And I just share that because they're doing that with the other committee. I'm on Appropriations, Labor, Health and Human Services, which funds all of our HBCUs, all of our health care programs, all of our education programs. They want to cut that back to probably 10, 2011 levels. So it, it's uh, unconscionable what they're doing. And so that's what I'm doing here now, trying to keep the government open and trying to keep them from cutting budgets that really um, impact our communities. Now, there are, what, 58 members of the Congressional Black Caucus now? Yes, uh, we'll have another one, uh, another member coming from Rhode Island fairly soon. He won uh, his runoff a couple of nights ago. Now, that's to replace uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester? No, that's to replace Dave Cicilline. Oh, Cicilline, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Lisa Blunt Rochester, she's seeking the Senate seat in... Uh... Yes, and Angela Osselbrook from uh, uh, Maryland. So we have three or four African-Americans and three or four African-American women actually running for the United States Senate. Uh, one is not enough. You know, since 1789, there have only been now three black women serving a total of 10 years. And I say 1789 because that's when the ho- first House and Senate went into session. Well, that, that you, you, got, you got it right right there. Now, uh, just a little bit about your background. Uh you work with uh, now Ron Dellums. Was, was he first elected in 1972? Yep. He was yeah. first. No, 1970. 1970. Because I, I remember working with him when I was a uh, personnel officer at the Seattle King County Economic Opportunity Board, and he had social dynamics. Oh, my goodness. That goes way back. <laughs> I, I'm real. I'm real old. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you ain't. I was. I was a student undergrad then. That's when I met Ron. But social dynamics, yeah. Well, he, I, I met him when he ran for con- when he was in Congress, though. Uh, I think it was when uh, Shirley Chisholm ran for president is when I ran uh, met Ron. Right, and and I saw you at the Congressional Black Caucus. You still wearing your Shirley Chisholm T-shirts? Oh yeah, she was my mentor. She was the one who convinced me to register to vote. She said, boy, Barbara, she said, these rules weren't made for you and I. You got to register, vote, and change these rules, shake things up, and dismantle those that are discriminatory and build some that are righteous and just. Now, uh, folks are trying to say that uh, uh, Black folks are not going to turn out and vote because they don't like uh, Biden and they don't like this and they don't like that. What, what is a compelling argument to get people off their hips? Because people died to have this right? Uh, because we got yeah. uh, we got black folks uh, on for, on foreign seas, foreign shores, fighting for everybody's freedom, and that we yeah. have a challenge right here on our right to vote, our right to participate in the economic pie, our right to educational opportunities, and uh, you know now we're defending some people who are diametrically opposed to us. So how do we do resolve that issue? Well, well, we resolve all the issues by continuing to vote and vote members of Congress and local elect and state officials who really represent our interests and our views and, and don't vote for them if they don't. And so, you know, one form of voter suppression is, is telling people that they're not gonna, we're not going to vote. And so I say, let's, let's shock them again, because a lot's at stake. Our freedoms are at stake. And yeah, so many people fought, died for the right to vote. 
I mean, that's uh, in peril right now. The right to reproductive freedom. Uh, so many of our rights are being um, dealt with. Our rights to equal opportunity, to equity, inclusion. You know, this is a rollback to the days of before Jim Crow. So we have to stand up, fight back, and win. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, and I went Virginia and Ohio uh, the anti-abortion foes, I mean, the abortion uh, foes took a beating, and hopefully that's an indication of what will be happening in two years from now, or at eight, what's less than two years now, for the next general election. Hopefully uh, that same enthusiasm will be there, because we know if you get the wrong person in the White House, all the stuff that you've been fighting for will go down the tube, because uh, I understand that uh, uh, Donald Trump has ideas of uh, consolidating uh, the legislature and the judiciary and just making the, the executive uh, this, uh, the, the all, you know, have all the power. So there well, you know, balance. No, but you know what they call that. I say, let's use the F word. That's fascism. And we have to understand that's uh, before us. And so young people who know what fascism is, older people who know because they they read, seen it, know the signs in other countries, know that, that that's what's at stake. So we have to vote and we have to make sure that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are, are reelected because we cannot have Donald Trump going into the White House to establish a, a fascist, autocratic uh, type of government. You're absolutely right. And I know you have short time, but I appreciate the time you shared with us. I want to have you on again real soon, my friend, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Well, I'm glad to be with you. And uh, again, I have to just lift up your daughter. You did good. She's she's phenomenal. <laughs> Angela is really so. So thank you very much. You, oh. you and her mom did a great job. And she's a wonderful, great, brilliant, beautiful woman. Thank you very much, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. We really appreciate the job okay. you're doing and the advocacy you give our people. Thank you very much. Th thanks a lot. Nice being with you. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Okay, Eric, we'll go and uh, hear from... Uh, 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 well, uh, five minutes uh, of uh, Reverend Leslie David Braxton at uh, New Beginnings. My next guest is a distinguished pastor of New Beginnings Christian Fellowship in Kent, Washington, uh, the Reverend Dr. Leslie David Braxton. And uh, he has a big event coming up Saturday, November 11th at the church. So welcome again to Urban Forum Northwest, Reverend Braxton. Thank you, Eddie, and it's good to be back here with you and your uh, Digisphere audience. Yes, well, I had the Digisphere on Sunday myself uh, for church, but I did get my tithes in, so that's important. Well, if you got your tithes in, you, you're in good standing with me. And I heard uh, Pastor Espinoza, outstanding pre presenter there. Yes. So why don't you run down uh, the event that's going to be coming up on uh, November 11th at the church. And it's the Future Leaders Scholarship Banquet, where you're able to provide all kinds of scholarships to worthy and deserving students that are, most of them that I'm hearing about are succeeding. Yes, they are. Um, our Future Leaders Scholarship Banquet is an annual event that we have here at the church at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, one of our most important events because we subscribe to the uh, belief that faith and education have been the twin pillars that have lifted our race from degradation uh, to abundant living in American society. 
Um, education gives us traction in the economy and empowers us to serve and whatever uh, capacity our gifts uh, allow us. And faith is what keeps wind in our sails as a black people in a white supremacist, anti-black society. That said, um, the we are a church that gives out in excess of $100,000 a year in scholarships, not tokens, but um, large enough scholarship allotments that become a reliable and meaningful piece of a student's overall package. Our grants uh, on the low end are $3,500 for those attending four-year student, uh, four-year inst uh, or institutions on a full-time basis. On the high end, $9,000. So when you consider that over four years, if you get a $9,000 scholarship over four years, that's $36,000 less dollars that you have to borrow, which means you are $36,000 closer upon graduation from undergrad to being able to make a down payment on a house and start building your net worth rather than staying in debt. So we're talking about economic empowerment here. Now, in order to give out those kinds of grants, we have to raise in excess of $150,000 a year. And about eighty dollars to $100,000 of that comes from this banquet, where we raise that much in that night. Um, and so on November the 11th at 6 p.m. at uh, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, we will be having the annual Future Leaders Scholarship Banquet. Eddie, last year you were one of our Lifetime Achievement Award winners. You, along with uh, Maxine, um, uh, Dr. Mims. Ma Dr. Maxine Mims. Mims, Dr. Maxine Mims. Each year we present a male and a female recipient, people who personify what the impact of faith and education means to living an impactful life for others. And so Dr. Mims, through education, you through activism, you guys have lifted the quality of life for African-Americans in the Puget Sound and throughout the nation. And so this year, our Lifetime Achievement Award winners um, are going to be uh, Mr. Jimmy Brown, a University of Washington graduate, um, spent over 65 years as a church musician, including my home church, Bethlehem, and for the last 30 or so years uh, has been at Allen AME uh, in, uh, in Tacoma, and uh, probably the greatest pianist in the Pacific Northwest in the last half century plus. And the female recipient will be none other than Phyllis Birdwell, who's been more than an icon and a living institution at Mount Zion since three years into the McKinney uh, pastoral administration over 60 years she's been at that church. So there's a musical theme to our Lifetime Achievement Award winners. They are colleagues, they are peers, uh, and so we look forward to celebrating these two iconic names in terms of church-based musicianship, educated church-based musicianship. Two individuals with um, college and graduate school degrees in music who have spent their life in the context of the church, serving the church and broader community. Our speaker is going to be uh, Dr. Caprice Hollins. Um, she is the author of the book Inside Out. Um, she has spent her life in helping corporations develop inclusive cultures and being able to deal, uh, uh, forge and have successful relationships around diversity and race. Um, she's also recently on faculty at the Seattle, uh, Seattle School of Theology. Um, so we are excited about the message, the thrilling message that she's going to give on education as she is an impassioned, gifted speaker and orator, passionate about creating safe spaces in corporate uh, America for people of color 
and people, marginalized people. And then our MC is going to be none other than Angela Russell, former King News reporter, who's now a freelance reporter. She's going to be our illustrious MC to bring elegance to the uh, program for the evening. About 450 to 500 people will be there. We're still open for people who want to sponsor tables at $600 for a table of eight or buy individual tickets for $75. Uh, we always tell people the best gift you can ever give someone is a gift of education. Once people have it, it can't be taken from them. It's the gift that always pays dividends. And so if you're wondering out there what you can do with part of the blessings God has given you, contact us at thenbcf.org, our website, thenbcf.org, um, where you can purchase a table or purchase a ticket. If you purchase a table like my wife, Sheila, and I do, we also then go out and get eight persons to sit at that table who will come and not just have fun, F-U-N, but who will write a check so that we have funds, F-U-N-D-S, to give an allocation to students come June when we make our scholarship awards. And in, t in addition to all that, we got some great singing from uh, Sister Jeanne uh, Perez, uh, and a young adult ensemble of some of the most gifted young adult singers throughout the Pacific Northwest, many of whom sung in the songs of Black Folk Choir. Oh, that, and, that, and that's great. So, Reverend Rax, I want to thank you very much for your time today, sir. And thank, thank you, you for sir. the work you're doing in the church and in the hood. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. And we'll see y'all later. God bless you. Okay, thank you. We need the blessing. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with uh, Roberto Jordan, the president of the Royal Esquire Club, to talk about a big event that's coming up on uh, Saturday, November 18th. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at PortSeattle Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Ride back with my next guest, Roberto Jordan, president of the Seattle's Royal Esquire Club. And uh, they have a big event coming up on Saturday, November 18th. Uh, it's going to be a black tie or semi-formal event. And uh, Roberto Jordan, what will be happening on the 18th at the club? Uh, first of all, Eddie, thanks for uh, having us here. And um, uh, on the 18th, we are going to have our what we call our Black and Gold Ball. Um, it's their, our, kind of our 
final big ball uh, of the year. And we are going to be honoring um, Mayor Norm Rice. Um, as you know, Mayor Norm Rice was the uh, first African-American mayor uh, in the uh, city of Seattle. Um, and, he, and he's done a, a whole lot of other things. And we're going to have uh, the mayor, uh, Bruce Harrell, that will be talking about him and his accomplishments there at the um, at the event. Um, it's going to, like Eddie said, it'll be a black tie semi-formal event. Uh, we're going to have food from Island Soul. Uh, we'll be catering the event. Um, musical guests are going to be Michael Powers. <clears throat> and then we'll have a DJ G-Man that we'll be having so that we can uh, party afterwards. We also announce our um, Mr. Esquire, who's uh, kind of the, the man of the year. Um, and it's a, uh, an event that we're raising uh, funds for our, our scholarship program that we'll be giving away scholarships next year. Normally we've had four signature events that we do due to COVID and everything else like that, that kind of got put on hold, but we're going back to doing that and we'll be making um, uh, substantial scholarship uh, donations um, next year. Uh, it's going to start about 5.30. It's going to start about 5.30 and uh, go on till about midnight. Uh, you can get your tickets for this at uh, ticketleap.com and it's under the Royal Esquire Club or black and white or black and white um, ball. Um, you can come to the club. You can buy the tickets, buy the tickets in person there. Go to our website, royalesquireclub.com and you can also get tickets there and uh, it ought to be a great, great event. And uh, people just want to make a contribution and not go to the event because there is some scholarships. So they could just go to the website and make that contribution as well? Yes, you can go to the website and there is a, a donate donate button that's there. Um, you can donate and uh, just put in there that you like to donate to the scholarship fund and um, you can do that. Um, there's flyers that are around. Uh, Fax newspaper has a, has a flyer that's out with a QR code on there. Put the QR code on your camera and you're able to buy tickets uh, straight from there. Our website will have the QR code, and um, so we'll, we'll try to make it easy for you to um, uh, be able to do that. For those of you that haven't been there, the Esquire Club is newly remodeled. Um, uh, it's not your old Esquire Club the way you used to know it. If you were there 15, 20 years ago, you'll be surprised and uh, delighted with the way that uh, uh, the club's been changed. I remember when it was on 14th in Washington. In the yes. house where Bailey Gaffer is now. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, eminent domain, they had to get rid of that building because of Bailey Gasser. And so uh, what's brought us to um, 5016 Rainier Avenue South, where we're um, doing the Royal Esquire Club there. So, yes, we'll have a good time. And don't forget, we're going to be doing, we're going to be starting uh, December 1st. We'll be selling tickets for the New Year's Eve ball, too. So um, we'll be doing New Year's Eve. This year, it'll be a, a fun event. We'll have a lot of good things and fun things for you to do there also to bring in 2024. Now, what, when did the Royal Esquire Club start? We started in 1948. Um, and there were five brothers that had got together and, you know, due to racial discrimination and, and uh, all the strife and stuff that was going on then, they couldn't get into places. They couldn't have entertainment. So they went ahead and started a... A club themselves. Uh, they started in a um, a lawyer's office downtown on on First Avenue, and then end up getting the house on Fourteenth and Washington, um, and then it's just it's grown from there. 
I remember hearing the stories about the late Bert Williams uh, leading a caravan down to Olympia because they were denying a liquor license. And I guess uh, Bert Williams and the group came back with a liquor license. Yes, so, yes. They, it was, was, it was <laughs> Yeah, and, that, and that's a true story. They just could not get a, a liquor license from the state. They actually uh, went down with a with a group of folks and um, uh, did, did a demonstration and and um, and you know when you know they say when you complain that you, you it doesn't do any good. Well, in this instance, it did do some good, and they were able to um, get a liquor license that's been in place ever since. So you know you're kind of under a microscope uh, with with um, when you aren't aren't really they really don't want you to have a liquor license in the first place so you kind of under a microscope so you have to make sure that all the i's are dotted and all the t's are crossed when you're when you're doing that so we're very careful even to this day when our liquor license will be we're very careful and that's great so we got a couple more minutes so let's uh, reiterate once again the celebration for norman b rice on uh, saturday the 18th and uh uh, the, the meal will be cut, cut, uh, catered by Island Soul, which is uh, down the street from the Royal right. Club. And I must say that the owner of uh, the Island Soul, uh, Theo Martin, uh, his father, uh, Lloyd Martin, gave me my first job in the sixth grade on at the Madison Street Cafe on Madison back in 1952. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, that was when the, 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 the segregation, you know, we had black places all up and down Madison, Union, Jackson and fortunately some folks were able to sell us some houses too so we could occupy the central area now we're down about 15 percent or something like that so yeah. uh how many members does the Royal Esquire Club have? Esquire Club has about 113 members um and so we just we just got another 14 this year that took us to 113 um and so we'll we'll be you know we're we do it twice a year where we have uh, uh, open enrollment where people are uh, suggested to come in and they come in and we uh, deal with them for about two or three weeks uh, before they end up uh, being members of the uh, uh, Royal Esquire Club. So you know, our main our main job is to make sure that we have a facility that is top top ranked and, and uh, very nice for uh, black folks in the community to come to and have all different kind of events. Um, with security. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, Bruno, thank you very much, man. And thank uh, the members of the Royal Esquire Club for their contributions they're making. And I really like the idea of them honoring uh, former Mayor Norman B. Rice. Uh, I will be there. Andrea and I will definitely be there. We've been friends for a long time. And I'm really proud of the job you guys have done. So thank you very much, brother. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Well, thank you so much for having us, Eddie. And hopefully everybody shows up. We'll have a good time. This All brother right deserves his, he deserves his flowers. Trust me. He okay. was he was the president of the United States Conference of Mayors. So, you know, this this is this is a this is a good brother. Absolutely. Okay, thank you very much, brother. Oh, thank you, sir. Wanna thank all my guests all my guests today and uh Hayward Evans, uh Elton Mason, uh Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Roberto Jordan, and Reverend Leslie Braxton. Thank you very much, Eric, and I'll talk to you again next week.